from digitiki.com. Bring the fire and don't let it go out. Everybody gather over here now. Keep your fingers crossed. Everybody ready? Stand by. Now those tiki torches must be kept lit. Right. Welcome to the quiet village. Aloha, and welcome back for another visit here at The Quiet Village. I'm your host, Digitiki, coming to you direct from digitiki.com in the heart of The Quiet Village. And I have a very special set of guests a little bit later on. I have Mark and Maggie Bloom from Velvet Glass, Tucson, Arizona. They are very accomplished glass mosaic artists and also the producers of one of the must-see events for 2010, the Relight the Night ceremony in Tucson, Arizona at the Contiki, where the uh, the classic Contiki sign out front is going to be relit. The tiki torches on the sign are going to be relit for the first time in 25 years, and there's going to be multiple bands, vendors, a huge event with the Tikiyaki Orchestra as well. So we're going to have an interview with Mark and Maggie a little bit later on. They're going to talk about Tucson's tiki and mid-century past, as well as a rundown of the Relight the Night ceremony, and also talking about their own tiki art, uh, which is quite fantastic. You are definitely going to want to see this, and you're going to want to have your art viewer on so you can uh, see the photos. But first, we're going to do some tunes that are all in the fire theme, so what could be more appropriate? Starting this off, Arthur Lyman from his classic album, The Legend of Pele. Here's the perfect tune to start off this uh, fire-laden version of The Quiet Village. We've got the tiki torches lit, the sun is going down, and it's time for some Arthur Lyman with The Fire Down Below, right here at The Quiet Village. Thank you. 
Ah, uh, that is a great tune. Fire Goddess, which is appropriate, by the Surfmen from their classic 60s LP, Exotic Island. Not available on CD, unfortunately. That's a great album, though. Face Beside the Fire before uh, Fire Goddess there. Don Ralke from another classic uh, loungy kind of album, Savage and Sensuous Bongos, a very good percussion album. That is available on CD. Before that, Swamp Fire by Martin Denny from his album Aphrodisia, also available on CD. And kicking off that scent, the perfect tune, Fire Down Below by Arthur Lyman from the CD Legend of Pele. Now let's kick it up a notch. We'll bring the tempo up with some guitar tunes, a little bit of surfy and exotica, whatnot. Uh, let's bring it up a little bit with some Billy Muir followed by some Ben Vaughn. Here we go, right here on The Quiet Village.
Okay, Ali'i Fire Dance by the Tikiyaki Orchestra from their first album, Stereo Exotique, which came out in, uh, I believe, 2007. Before that, a very old song, When It's Lamp Lighting Time by the Blue Shadows from their LP, On a Tropical Night. Very hard to find. Uh, in the middle of that set, Ritual of the Torch by Frank Hunter and his orchestra from the very rare album, White Goddess. And before that, kind of a surfy, Eno Morricone kind of tune, Brush Fire by Ben Vaughn from his 2006 album Designs in Music. And kicking off that set, Billy Muir from his 1950s album Fireworks. That was a tune called Firecracker that really, really kicks. Okay, the time has come. We now have Mark and Maggie Bloom in the hut with us, uh, or actually via via satellite here at the Quiet Village to talk about the relight the night ceremony that is going to be taking place in Tucson, Arizona, April 10th, 2010. And this is going to be a huge, huge event. Welcome, Mark and Maggie. Aloha. 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 Welcome to Good the... To be with you. So now, uh, the Relight the Night, which is shaping up to be one of the must-go-to events for 2010. Uh, the Contiki here in sunny, lovely Tucson, Arizona, has a nice old sign on it with two tiki torches that used to view fire from them but haven't for some 25 years. And we all thought it would be a fabulous idea to essentially relight those torches just like they used to be in the good old days. So that's what we're doing. And the Contiki have supplied new, you know, they've done all the work to the torches. Um, we've provided some awesome musical entertainment. And actually, by the way, and an awesome um, tiki mug, limited tiki mug made by Squid. So on April 10th, we will have quite the party in Tucson. We have the Tikiaki Orchestra, who will be performing inside the Contiki, doing an earlier evening dinner-type show. And then after that set, we move outside to the outside stage, and we have a local band, Shrimp Chaperone, who are a certain kind of band. Then following them, we have Flam Chen, who are another local performance troupe who do wonderful stuff with fire. And they will be accompanied by the Disillusionists, formed by my dear wife, Maggie. So they will be accompanying Flam Chen. I really, really wanted to put together a drumming troupe to accompany Flam Chen. And our drumming troupe that we've put together we are taking traditional Hawaiian songs. We're adapting some of the tempos and whatnot to accompany Flam Chen, but we're building our own Hawaiian instruments. And then after them, we have the Swank Bastards from Las Vegas. And after all that, back inside, we have the Tikiaki Orchestra performing a second show. Absolutely. They're doing a late-night show, I take it. They are doing a late night, yes, let your hair down kind of thing. I don't know what that means, but it sounds like it'll be fun. That sounds really amazing. Now, these tiki torches, they're on the sign outside, right? And they haven't been lit for, what did you say, 25 or more years? Or so, yes, that's right. They are they're something like 25 feet high. I think the Contiki sign is... One of those sort of like iconic tiki image things, which I know they're not the only restaurant bar to have done that, but they may be the only one left that still have that kind of sign with torches that will work again. And, and from what I understand, it's taken a lot of work to get those torches up. It wasn't just... It wasn't the simple, this is, sounds like a good idea, let's turn them on and watch them work. Because we turned them on... And they didn't work because for 25 years they'd sat there and done nothing. Basically, they were rewired, replumbed gas-wise, and in fact the top heads had to be replaced. And in fact, the original old ones were from the is it the Hawaii Torch Company? Because when we took them down, I looked at them, and on the underside there was the Hawaii Torch Company logo with a very cute little tiki 
engraved in the metal. So they're actually kind of cool as well. The last time I spoke with you, you were actually at the Contiki watching the test fire, right? That's correct. Uh, They actually test fired those torches um, a few days ago. And I can swear that they work. <laughs> Amazing. Now, you had also mentioned that you, you were getting some old-timers who were there when the Contiki first opened. Yeah, we've, there's, there's a lot of people in Tucson. Actually, it seems almost everybody in Tucson that Maggie and I have met at some point or another will say, I remember when we mentioned the Contiki, I remember the Contiki. I used to go there back in the day. It, it really is an amazing place because... Primarily, it's all still original stuff in there. Yes, that's, that's one of the magical things about that place. It's, it's almost all original from 1963 when it first opened. And a few years ago, Bamboo Ben came to town and worked his magic in there. And while he was actually working on it, he saw some things that looked familiar to him, and he called his family and said, did you guys work on the Contiki in Tucson? And indeed, they had when it first opened in 1963. So he was kind of like blown away that, you know, here he was touching it up, and he's touching up his family's work, and it was quite quite lovely, actually. And as a great testament to Ben, we go there all the time. We'd been going there, and while he was working and when he walked away from it, it was actually not that easy for even us to tell what he had touched and what he hadn't because his work blended in so beautifully with the original Contiki work. And they've got monkey skewers or monkey on a stick. Monkey on a stick and birds on a stick. Nice. So you can go there and eat monkeys and birds. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, um... Tell me a little bit of since you've you you've gotten to know the people who run run the Contiki and you've you've done some events there, including bringing Ernie Menahuni there. Can you can you tell me a little bit of a history about the Contiki? I mean, what what do you know about it? It's been quite surprising to us that there seems to be relatively little documentation about the history of the Contiki. Um, From what I can tell, they didn't seem to advertise a lot in magazines. Um, They didn't, they never really had music in there before. It wasn't, it wasn't, it's not set up as a performance space. Um, We've even started asking sort of older people that we meet if they say yes, they used to go there. We've actually started to ask them if they have photographs of themselves in there. And some of them said yes. And we're hoping that they would actually, you know, provide us with some photographic uh, proof of what it used to be like in back in the olden days. Amazing. Well, it probably didn't look too awfully different than what it does now, I can imagine. No, it, it probably didn't look much different at all. It's, is it still owned by the same owner or the same family? or? No, I think this is the third... It, it's now owned by the third, the third person to own it, and there may have been a fourth in there for a short period of time. It was actually opened by Dean Short, who also had the Pango Pango in Tucson and the Ports of Call, and he also had a couple of other restaurants in Tucson. Um, so he, he opened it in 63, and I believe sometime in the early 70s, Mr. Kim, who had actually been working at the Contiki since it opened as a busboy and then in the kitchen and then in the bar and sort of like learned everything about it by working in all the various places you could work. He ended up buying it from being short. So he owned it in the 70s and I think into the early 80s. And at that time, he actually went and kind of rebranded it a bit and just called it Kim's Contiki. So there are a lot of Contiki mugs out there that say either Contiki, and some of them will say Kim's Contiki from the time when he owned it. And he actually also had some glassware that we found in some thrift stores, which the Contiki never had, but he had Kim's Contiki glassware with Mm. his logo on it. And then I think probably in the late 80s, one of his employees who had also started out as a barback 
and learnt the ropes the same way that Kim did. He bought it from Kim. So everybody that's owned it, basically, has worked in it forever and has learned everything about it. It's never been owned by outside people, which is quite lovely as well. Dean Short's, Dean Short's grandson actually got in touch with us, and he will actually be there for the Relight the Night thing. He was quite thrilled to, um, to see that we were keeping his grandfather's place going. And he's actually coming with some other people, so he'll be there. Really? As wow. Well. Yeah. Wow, that will be fantastic. So you have a little touch of the, uh, of the original past. Yeah. That was one of my questions, was the mugs. I actually have two different Contiki mugs, and one just says Contiki Tucson, and the other one says Kim's Contiki. Yeah. It's a later mug in the, yeah, in that, that classic style of the overly used mold that was used to make the Contiki mugs, because most of them don't have much definition in them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do come in quite the rainbow of colors. We've collected as many as, we, as we've as we possibly been able to. And up until a few years ago, every time we thought we had all of the colors, some color would pop up here or there. But at this point, we believe we have all of the colors. That's a lot of colors. How, how many are there? Do you know? Oh, I, I don't know, and there's, there's so many derivations because there's the green, there's the green-brown, there's the yellow, there's the yellow-brown, <laughs> there's the pink, the maroon, the blue, the baby blue, the um, lime green, the white, um, the mustard, the all-brown. I mean, all of these seem to pop, have popped up over the years that we've lived in Tucson. So there's the, there's also the the navy blue and the solid green. So how I, I don't know how many of I just named. Uh, there's probably 15 or so different colors. And these these were manufactured. I know on the bottom they they either say Fire Hut or Carmax, right? That's you can actually find other things in Tucson that were made by Fire Hut and Carmax. And Dean Short, he used this Sun God mug, and he did perhaps borrow the the design of the mug without permission, but he did have it made locally. And Fire Hut and Carmack were the two local manufacturers, I believe, of all of Dean Short's paraphernalia for his Polynesian restaurants, which included the Ports of Call, um, and the Pango Pango here in Tucson. Tucson has quite quite a rich tiki history as well as a, as a mid-century kind of a googie architecture history. Yes, there's, there's, there's quite a lot of the, the sort of mid-century googie atomic architecture here in town, actually. Um, you know, a lot of the, the mid-century architecture, which in a larger city like Los Angeles or New York, would have just been plowed under to make room for something new tucson still has a lot of that intact which is which is quite wonderful to see yeah it seems like most of the the new development hasn't taken place in town it's taken place around town which was really nice because it has meant that most of what you know old tucson was about architecturally is is still intact and there are still, you know, there are still questionable decisions that developers make. Um, and, you know, every now and again, some lovely building does get torn down in the name of progress. Mm-hmm. But by and large, most of, most of the center of Tucson is fairly intact. Yes, and that, that is something to see. And, and, and people who are planning to go to Tucson who may not have been there or may not have actually spent a lot of time there before should actually spend time and look around the city. Yes, it's sort of like, I don't think, it's one of those cities that doesn't seem to be on a lot of people's radar as mm-hmm. far as that goes, which quite honestly is, is partly probably why it's kept it that way. It hasn't been overdeveloped, you know, it's, it's sort of like retained a sort of somewhat of a small, um, a small city feeling. Yes, a lot of the old uh, motor lodges or motels had some amazing architecture yeah yeah and and fantastic signage as well 
I, I know Tucson, you mentioned uh, Ports of Call, which wasn't part of the Steve Crane Ports of Call, as I understand, right? No, I think it was. I think it was not a Steve Crane joint. It was a. It was a Dean Shaw mm -hmm. place. And there was the uh, the Pongo Pongo, which. There's nothing. Yes, it's a shame. I mean, if there's there's an old movie, uh, A Kiss Before Dying, with Robert Wagner and I think Joanne Woodward, that seemed to have been shot almost almost entirely on location in Tucson, and. There's a great scene in it where they actually go to the Pango Pango and walk out, and you see they had this fantastic neon signage and all these ornate dragons painted on the walls. And, you know, it's quite nice. We've, had, I mean, we've driven past, and that, the, the building may be there, but it's been completely and utterly stuccoed and remodeled from the outside as well. And so, there, you know, if you have the address, there is a physical building at that address. Mm -hmm. And there's also the... Uh... The Tiki Motel. The Tiki Motel. Lovely sign. Lovely but, um, sign. I, I think the sign is all there is that's tiki about the Tiki Motel, and I don't even think that back in the day there was it was particularly tiki-fied. Now, that brings me to another thing that's very tiki in Tucson. I guess I shouldn't say thing, another person, and that's Ernie Minahuni. The legend. The living legend. The legend who He's I... I actually had the interview recently on a, on an earlier in the previous episode. Yes, you did. He's a wonderful chap. And we first actually encountered him when we moved here and saw in the paper that there was a Ernie Metahuni Polynesian review that was taking place at Ye Old Lantern, which was another one of Dean Short's place places on Oracle. That's also it doesn't exist as a restaurant anymore. So we we actually went to see him. And we're blown away at sort of like, wow, this is sort of like a very old school sort of dinner club show thing. And we were probably the youngest people in the audience. <laughs> and we immediately kind of fell in love with Ernie and everything that he does and sort of basically became friends with him. And after a year or so, the old lantern closed down. So we actually approached the Contiki and asked them if they would have Ernie perform in there on a sort of semi-regular basis, and they did. So, and in fact, that was really the first time they'd have regular kind of music in the Contiki. And usually during the Arizona winter season, he would do his once-a-month-on-a-Sunday show at the Contiki. And in fact, his, there's an old photograph that is a black and white shot of him back in the day with um, the three girls who were doing his hula dancing show with him. And they're all young and vivacious looking people. <laughs> and in fact, she, one of them is still with him and still performing She's still dancing with him and performing with him and will sing a song with him. It's quite special. He also carves his own tikis, right? He has his own Ernie Minahuni style. Um, he has a fairly large spread on the outskirts of Tucson, and he's got a lot of palm trees on there. And periodically, when one goes or he decides he needs to carve, he will carve another tiki. And we actually have one. Um, which was one of the only ones that we'd ever seen of his with a root ball on top. <laughs> yes, and he's, what, 85, 86, and still, still performing and still carving and everything. He's still carving and dancing and singing and performing, and yes. Now, talking of tikis, that brings me back to the Con Tiki, which, as I understand it, has the largest collection of Milan Guanco tikis I guess, for lack of a better term, in situ, in in the world, right? I I believe so. Yes, they've got something like fifteen to twenty. Well, maybe not twenty, but there's at least fifteen, I think, of Milan Guanco original tikis that were all carved and were there. I think you know when they opened, with the exception of two of them, which for some unknown reason were actually in a back storage room. And we're actually going to bring them out, and you know, you can see them on April 10th um, for the first time because they haven't actually been in the Contiki in I don't know how long. Amazing! So you're going to have an unveiling of lost tikis. That's right. 
there's also another lost lost tiki, right? That's from the Contiki, but not at the Contiki. Yes. Tell Many years ago, the tikis were originally out front, or a lot of them were actually out front. And one night, um, I believe, a fraternity came and stole them all. And the Contiki people went driving around Tucson and basically got almost all of them back, except for one. And when we first moved here, we were told that there was this, they knew that there was this one out there and that a frat house somewhere had stolen it years and years ago. And Maggie called around all the frat houses and explained who she was and what she was calling about, trying to track down this tiki with no luck. And quite by chance, a couple of years ago, we went into another bar in town that I think I should not name. The bar which shall remain nameless. The bar that shall remain nameless. Um, <laughs> but some of us know exactly which bar we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we were sitting in there, and up in a corner, and it's literally a dark corner in a sort of little alcove, we actually saw a tiki hanging off on the wall, and we asked the bartender, who then asked the owner who was there, and he said, yeah, that, 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 some frat kids brought me that. That came from the Contiki. Ha, ha, ha. He didn't know that we had any idea. We knew exactly what it was as soon as we saw it. Uh-huh. He didn't know that we knew what it was. And, and at some point, it would be really nice to try and get it back. It somehow seems right that we should somehow get that thing back. Mm-hmm. By hook or by crook. Yes. But it's it's up there and it's it's sort of it's safe and we know where it is. Yeah, I I know that bar from which you speak. It is it's the quintessential dive bar. If 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 there it, was a... it does. It, in fact, it may make some dive bars look quite classy. Yes, yes, it's it's definitely one that should be enter at your own risk. Uh, yeah, but we would we would gladly share this information with anyone that wants to come and. You know, join us on April 10th. That wasn't supposed to be a plug or anything. It was just, uh, I don't want to necessarily broadcast to the world the name of the bar where this tiki is. Yes, well, that, and you know, and it should be a plug. People should come there, and if they want to do some some tiki archaeology and see a piece of, of Contiki past that's not where it should be, they can, they can, they can learn where that place is when they get there, right? And as long as they've got the courage to actually enter that place <laughs> and, and experience that place, yes, then they, they're more than welcome to. <laughs> yes, I, I have to say that I have been there I've, and I've needed to shower afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave that's, it at and that. It, and it, that's, not, that's not even because they don't have AC, which they don't have AC. Right. Um, it's, it's, yes. Tell me about Velvet Glass and how you how you uh, how you got that started. Velvet Glass is our little mosaic business, which we got into when we first moved to Tucson, and literally didn't know a soul in town, and we just enrolled in a class, and it was really just almost a random which class should we do? Well, mosaicing sounds like it can't be too difficult. Let's try mosaicing. Everybody else in the class were making sort of very traditional chili peppers, southwestern-y kind of scene, paving stones, uh, coyotes howling at moons, that kind of thing. And Maggie and I immediately just made tiki things. And they all looked at us and what we were doing and scratched their heads and didn't quite understand what it was. And again, it was an opportunity for us to go, well, we like the contiki. And almost all of them went, oh, the contiki. So it all came, kind of like comes full circle to the Contiki, unfortunately, or fortunately. <laughs> so we started to make these tiki mosaics, and they were hanging on our wall. And by and by, you know, we made some friends who came over and liked them and basically suggested that we should sell some. So we started Velvet Glass as a way to sort of share our love of mosaics and tiki with the rest of the world. Yes, and the stuff you do is is amazing. It's so detailed and so beautiful. I'm thinking particularly of the um, the Godzilla piece that you did with so many tiny pieces to it. It's it's you know that 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 was Maggie and I both work collaboratively and separately. That was a collaboration, um, and we're both 
you know, sitting either next to each other or across from each other and making, you know, cutting out pieces of glass, cutting ourselves. <laughs> There's usually a little bit of us in every mosaic we make. Quite literally. Um, yeah, quite literally. And and that was that was how that came up. And, and it was like one of the one of the earlier ones where we kind of went, we're not going to make a cheeky one. We'll do something else because we you know it, we don't just like cheeky things. Mm-hmm. Usually we are both involved in in pretty much everything. If if even if we're working on separate pieces, it's one person going, what do you think of this? The other person going, what do you think of that? I love it. Every time I, I see, it's hard to pick out a favorite. I mean, there's. The the dancer that's that's dancing in the fire, I believe. Um, fire, fire dancer. The but fi- the, our favorite oh, is usually the next one we're making. You guys actually use tiki mugs in your mosaics, right? Yes. One evening we came upon this idea of cutting up a tea, uh, cutting a tiki mug in half and incorporating it into the mo- into a mosaic. So once we had sort of by trial and error, figured how to cut a tiki mug in half without without it exploding. Um, the fir- actually, the very first one we made was actually for the Contiki, and we made it as a gift to the Contiki, and it featured two two tiki torches with flicker light bulbs in them. So it kind of it echoed their logo and their look, and included one of their vintage mugs in it. Which was already chipped. We don't cut up vintage mugs unless they're flawed. Gotcha. Well, the stuff you do looks looks really amazing. It's very, very creative. Now, um, talking about the event and mugs and the and the Contiki, you guys have created an amazing event mug along with Squid. Yes, we have actually. Um, it's quite it's quite swanky. Um, it's it's a mug which is based on one of the Milan Guanco Tiki's. And the mug has a lid with a little well in it, so if you were so inclined, you could put, say, 151 into it and set it afire to sort of echo the flaming, flaming things, but we could never condone people playing with fire. (laughs) Um, And it sits on a base with the Contiki shields and this beautifully detailed foliage, and it has two tiki torches that come up from the base and the whole piece echoes the Contiki artwork that used to be on their menus for many, many years. So it's sort of like it, it all kind of ties in together. Yes, it is. It really does look amazing. Well, thank you. What we tried to do was create this night, which is the Contiki, one of the very few original Tiki bars left in the world, and bring in... Tikiaki. We brought in Hana Shirt Company, which is the largest purveyor of vintage Hawaiian shirts, uh, in this country at least. And Fluff and Doug Horn and so many other artists. And we feel really lucky that our efforts here in Tucson, which sometimes we can feel like we're in a little bubble just out here in Tucson. You know, we're just in Tucson. <laughs> but so many people have come out to support our efforts in this event mm-hmm. and we are so grateful for all of that it's obvious it's a labor of love because you guys really really love the contiki and and uh, you've put a lot of blood sweat and tears into this event i know personally <laughs> <laughs> we have and we so appreciate it when you know people share that love with us it's it's a love of the contiki and a love of tiki in general and wanting to continue that on and celebrate it. And I want to thank you personally for helping to support that. You know, I, I've been going to the contiki and, and, and coming to Tucson for years and years and years because I had, uh, uh, I had some relatives that lived there. It's an amazing environment. They actually have... Tiki mugs that they serve a couple of the drinks in. I think the scorpion bowl is a squid bowl. It's got all the environment and that one dimension of the exotica adding it. It's just going to take it way over the top. It's going to troll your fez and everybody else's fez, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's quite amazing that, you know, the place has not been really touched and remodeled and hasn't adapted 
through any kind of changing fad and fashion and trend ever since it opened. It's just basically kept doing exactly what it's been doing this whole time. Which is rare. Which is pretty, yeah, it is rare, and it's still open. Big mahalos to Mark and Maggie Bloom for that interview and for that inside information about Tucson, the Contiki, and the Relight the Night event on April 10th. My Mai Tai is empty, and that means we've come to the end of another visit here at the Quiet Village. I want to thank you, and until next time, aloha, and keep those tiki torches burning bright. <laughs>